Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> my guest today is an amazing musician. Her voice is immense. I mean, it's soulful. It's beautiful. Her songwriting is killer. Thank you. She's uh, also standing at six foot eight inches. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing probably because I'm off two inches. God damn it. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> folks, please welcome Justina Bethel. How are you? Good. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Oh, yeah. Did I say your name right, by the way? I don't yeah, think I've ever. Yeah. And now I could. I don't think I've ever said your name out loud. Uh, mm -hmm. Your last name anyway. Your first name, obviously. So um, it is my first name and middle name that I go by. Oh, yeah. Okay. But you did you did say it correctly. Um, also, I think there's a bit of a lag just because of you know the distance. Um, so my my audio is probably coming in late for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we're gonna do do our best. Uh, it can't. I mean, I don't know. The last episode I did. I was really trashed, so uh, <laughs> and it was a metal band, so and it was a live show. It was like not a live show, but it they played live music for me, so it was really. Uh, That's I was awesome. really. Mm -hmm. So this, I'm pretty sure the sound of this would be so much better just because I wasn't drunk. Yeah. Um, so the last time we were uh, we met we hung out it was in Los Angeles, but now you're in the East Coast, right? You're in the DC area, is it? Yep, I'm in DC. I moved moved back. Yeah. Yep. Is that where you're from? The uh, um, was it is it Washington DC or is it? Uh, I feel like it was Virginia for some reason. I don't know why. Yes. I thought that. So yes. So you know because you didn't you live in Gainesville for a little bit? Yeah, I call it Gainlessville, but uh, yes. that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah. So I live in Alexandria, which you know is like right outside of DC. Yeah. Um, but when I moved out to LA, you know. When you tell people you're from Virginia, they think you're from like Bumfuckville and you, you know, grow yeah. corn and stuff. Um, <laughs> so I would just say DC. It's literally just a 10 drive and it's the same vibe. So, yeah. Cause I remember my experience in Virginia was uh, very rural. And the first animal I saw was a rabbit and a snake. <laughs> and I freaked out. And Gainesville, really? Yeah. And the, the funny part is when I lived in New York City, like I don't get scared of rats. They're nothing. But when I saw a rabbit, a cute little rabbit, I freaked out like a little baby. <laughs> so that was my first experience funny. with that. Um, <laughs> but OK, so you grew up in, uh, in that area. Now, we're, are your family member like is everyone a musician over there? Like because you have this amazing voice, man. And um, I, 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 I feel like whenever someone has a great voice like that, it's it's genetics someone in the family had it so tell me about the voice so um oddly enough no it, it's not genetic um my mom really liked instruments and she always had a lot of them and she liked music theory uh, but it was never her thing she never performed um you know i wouldn't really call her a singer my dad was a musician um but you know like the the one who's like always waiting for his break but never actually goes out and plays shows um it was kind of always just me. Um, mm -hmm. And then my, my little sister is very talented. She's, I mean, she's, she was probably would have been a prodigy if she had, you know, gave it a real shot. Um, she just understands every instrument she picks up and she can sing and harmonize and do all that crazy stuff. Um, and then oddly enough, my brother later in life who, you know, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket for like the first 22 years of his life 
um, just picked up a ukulele a few years ago and was like, I just want to be better as a human. So I'm going to try to learn an instrument. And he kept at it and uh, started going to open mics and then got a band. And um, now he's got like an album and an EP out and he just signed to an indie label. Um, pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. Um, that, so, you know, maybe yeah. to, from his point of view, because I grew up with two sisters and mm-hmm. uh, I'm the only uh, guy in the family. And, you know, I was always shy as a kid because my sisters, I mean, they talk. They talk, they talk, mm-hmm. they talk. So, like, obviously I had, it's like, uh, what's that game with the ropes? Hopscotch? When yes. you're like, when do, yes. when do I get in? Oh. When do I get in? When do I get into this conversation? I can't. I can never get in there. So I just stayed quiet for a long time until I realized later, in my, I guess in my 20s, man, I am actually very super social. And I just never had it because in the family, I could never show it. Mm, yeah. So maybe he had that same experience. No, I mean, he would probably tell you that about conversations for sure, but he was never. Well, I meant like in a, in a music sense, I meant. Right, right. But he was never like that musically. Like he, uh, when, oh, he first, okay. when he first started playing the ukulele, he would, um, he would do these covers and post them to YouTube. And if you look back on his like older stuff, like he got maybe like a thousand or two thousand views on some of these. And it was just all people trolling him like. Damn. really really mean um because he was terrible he was so bad he used to call me and, and be like hey check out this song i learned can you guess what it is and i could never tell what the song was isn't that funny that the beauty of back in the days of not having the internet is that you can have one stage and if, even if you suck at least you get like three two comments that you suck whereas now you posted it online it's like um, people you don't even know thousands of people just telling you you get off yeah yeah they're so mean and they are just like recklessly mean but you know like in that same vein how do you get better unless people tell you (laughs) that you suck right yeah it's true um uh, people used to tell me i'm short all the time and i believed it until like the age of 35 that i was going to be tall but I finally gave, I gave up because I'm like, mm, forget it. It's not going to happen. I even one time <laughs> drank these, like I bought uh, when I was a that's kid. That's a little different, but I get it. I get this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I bought this like amino acid bottle for like $60 in the back of a magazine. It's one of these ads that make no sense, but it's like grow six mm-hmm. inches taller if you drink this for six months. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> and it never worked. What a waste. <laughs> Yeah, that's all BS. Hey, but at the same time, like I've looked at those for like making me shorter or like normal height. So we all we all want to be a little bit different than what we are ourselves. And I think that once you hit like like 30 or so, that's when that starts to change. Did you feel that being tall? Were you insecure about that? I've always wondered because I never, uh, I guess, thought it from the opposite spectrum, but. Like, were you insecure about it or were you just like, I'm going with it. This is like power. Yeah. um, No, it was a huge area of insecurity. I, because I always, I've always been tall. I was like four, seven in second grade. Um, I was five, six when I was 11. By the time I was 13, I was almost six feet, Um, you know, and, and just, I developed, you know, everywhere really early. So I'm rolling around with a bunch of kids that look like kids and everyone thinks I'm an adult. Um, and they all, you know, like I I got made fun of a lot for, uh, for being tall and like larger. Um, but by the time I was like, you know, an adult and in the real world, it's like, oh, 
everyone's different sizes. And some people that were like the normal size when they were kids are now still that kid size and they're going through it. So, um, yeah, but I feel great about it now. Like I, I wear heels, you know, wherever I want to. Yeah. The most important part is to live with what you have and make the best of it, you know, and, uh, showcase it now. Okay. So you started a band when you were a kid, right? I did, but not when I was a kid. I want the band I started when I was a kid was like, I was eight. Um, but he, but, uh, yeah, in DC, I had a band called Lado. I started that when I was 25. Um, and we see that's, that's what I mean by kid though. That's what I mean. Oh, by a okay. kid. <laughs> I, I feel like anything in the twenties is a kid. I don't know why I, I, even I call myself when I was a kid and that was, I'm talking about like my twenties and I'm like, you know, so that's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I do call like 20, like early 20 somethings kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're getting there. We're at the age. As yeah. soon as I'm going to be like, Hey, Sonny, <laughs> watch your mouth. <laughs> I, you know, you know, at the time I realized that I was getting old, um, I worked at, a, I worked at a nightclub in, uh, in Long Beach and uh, we had go-go dancers. Right. And so I was friends with all these people on Instagram and followed them. And every time I would open up my Instagram, it would just be like videos of people shaking their asses in like next to nothing. And I realized I was old the day that I opened up my Instagram. Like, who are all these hoes on my Instagram? Like, what is this degenerate behavior? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I also feel that uh, getting old is kind of fun because... Mm -hmm it's like knowing I have some answers and like, I've been through stuff, you know, like I have more stories. So that's the fun part. Um, mm -hmm. So tell, so tell me how you started Lado. Um, so Lado began with um, me and a boyfriend at the time who we were both like closeted musicians um, and very nervous to get out and perform anywhere. So now, now did you each other under the you, pretense of making music and then, it, you know, did you come up with the band name inside a closet while you guys were making out? It was just the no. process. No, the band name is very interesting. The band name. Um, so we first started out as the Lennon J project. Um, his name was Alan. So he was Len. I was Jay. Um, and we were just a trio. It was me, him and uh, a buddy of ours who was playing Cajon. And when Alan left the band, by that time, we'd become like a four or five piece um, and we were at a music festival trying to figure out a band name to be more inclusive of everybody. And um, my brother was like throwing out all these crazy ideas like rogue apples or like things that would happen that he would come up with names based on the circumstance. Um, and we kept getting lost at the festival. And uh, there was this tent with a giant balloon of Olaf from Frozen. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, guys, like this is your, this is your marker. Like once you get, yeah, yeah. Once you get here, you make a left at the Olaf. Um, and then my brother's like, oh my God, that's a great band name. I'm like, that's a shit band name. We are not naming our band, left at the Olaf. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe the acronym, L-A-T-O. Uh, and then we kind of were rolling with that a little bit. It was my least favorite of the other ones we came up with. It was like Band of Red and something else. Um, but Lado is what everyone voted on. And that is what our band became. Well, to be honest, I think Lado sounds pretty cool. Now that you think about it, because it's just simple, straight to it, and people don't know what it means yet. So 
It just brings mm-hmm. uh, curiosity. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, and it definitely sounds European, I think. But um, we ran into a bunch of trouble because there's other there's apparently a font called Lado. Um, there's another band called Lado and uh, they formed after us, actually. But um, oh, wow. OK, so they got the dibs. Yeah. So so on a couple of different streaming platforms, um, our music started falling under their band name without us having to having done anything differently with our our submission forms or, or with our, you know, um, like Spotify, for example. I didn't touch Spotify. And then one day I'm like looking for I'm sending a link to our music to somebody and they're like, oh, that's not you guys, though. It's this other person. Um, and uh, <laughs> same thing. There's a we showed up. I got tagged in an event that was happening in Colorado when I was living in Long Beach. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's not us. Um, and I reached out to the venue. I was like, hey, you got the wrong way out. So it just became, you know, kind of an, uh, an issue. Um, so, and I started playing solo. So it, it made more sense to just go by my name rather than continuing the band name. I just found this out because um, I didn't, we didn't, we never really talk in depth about where your music was at. And I like to do that with people in person, but uh, this is why I created this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I read somewhere that that you guys played like in a bunch of cool DC areas, like Kennedy Center, like mm-hmm. Battle of the Bands and all that competitions. You did all this and like you got noticed. We did. We did. We um, we were making some big moves in the DC area. Yeah. Now, DC has a lot of uh, a lot of punk rock, a lot of good punk rock. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. So there was the. Um, Rock is big in DC, uh, a lot of neo soul and funk. And then um, Go-Go was DC's, you know, yeah. they, they, they made Go-Go. So. Well, this is, how long ago was this? Like, what year was this? It was actually just before I moved to LA. So 2017, 2016, 2017. Okay, so not that far ago. Okay, mm-hmm. so see, I don't know why I keep thinking like it was back in like early 2000s. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I was still in high school in the early 2000s. You're that young still. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. So <laughs> you you were you played you played in oh, DC. Thank you. you were you were starting to get noticed. And all of a sudden, now I've only known you from the LA and I think I met you somewhere in Hollywood, I believe. At the pig whistle, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. That's right. I remember that now. That was actually the first place I like. I think it was an open mic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was, yep. And uh, that's the first place I actually just step on stage. Did I play? I'm not sure if I did. I know I brought my guitar. <laughs> I don't think you did. I think because yeah. I, I ran into you at the main bar. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, okay. You know, yeah. I, think, I, think it, I think I went to, back there and I was going to, and then I just started drinking. That's always the... <laughs> That's how it all goes downhill. That's, yep, that's the blockade of my uh, career in anything. Yeah, okay, so you moved to LA, but so what was the reason behind moving to Los Angeles? So um, my guitarist for Lado, uh, he was in the military and he was getting out of the military. Um, He'd been stationed at the Pentagon, but he was from Northern California. So he was like, hey, you know, as soon as I'm out, I'm moving back to the San Jose area. And I was like, well, shit, like, I don't have anything going on here. You know, in L.A. sounds like a challenge. My sister's out there. Um, Maybe we can take over the West Coast. So um, we packed up a truck and we drove cross country together. Um, And then, you know, just life got 
life got in the way for each of us. Um, that made it difficult for us to continue the Lado thing. Um, but you know, I, I kept playing solo in the, in the LA area. I think that's how I started to, uh, get to know you is because you were doing the, these solo things mm -hmm. and, then, and then you got into another bit you got a band going yep and you know what i gotta say your songwriting is beautiful and i i was just thank you listening to it last month just to uh catch up i always like to catch up to old stuff you know because there's so much music when you put things together of when we hung out at, i think it was the mint was it yes yeah i it was remember like putting everything together when you were playing live. I saw you play live by yourself or with a friend. And then I saw you with a band and I'm just like putting all these together. And then I hear your music. I'm just like, Oh shit, this girl actually has talent. I mean, I knew that, but you don't really pull it together because I was, I only got to see you while things were in between. You know what I mean? It wasn't, yep. it wasn't yep. anything that was formed. Yeah. And I mean, add to that, I had just picked the guitar back up. Like I hadn't played guitar in years because I didn't have to. So like it looked rough, you know, the number of people that um, would see me at open mics and be like, keep practicing, you'll get there. And one of these <laughs> days you'll be on a, you know, a bigger stage. And I'm like, you guys know where I've played. Like the, the guitar definitely held me back, but I, I, I've improved since then for sure. But you, that's exactly when you and I met was when, when I was like just picking up the guitar and just like hoping that it would pass. Because, I mean, you feel you seem so comfortable just holding the microphone, you know, mm, mm -hmm. and uh, because you have such a, uh, a groove and just beat with your voice that you don't I don't know. I think if you played guitar, I mean, not to say you shouldn't. I think, you know, whatever, some songs like an acoustic song set or whatever could be kind of cool. But it, from what I hear from your music, I just feel that you just carry the microphone perfect. It's it's just like Freddie Mercury up there. Like, would you want him to see him playing guitar all the time? No, because he he has his energy is just moving back and forth on the stage. He just has that energy. And mm -hmm. I feel that's the same way with you with the microphone. You just bring Thank out you. that soul. So Thank you. Yeah, you know, um, me as a singer-songwriter with a guitar, um, that vocalist is completely different from the vocalist that isn't holding or playing an instrument. You're, I mean, you're 100% correct because I, I feel way more free. I'm not concentrating on what chord to play, where my, where my hand needs to be on the fretboard. Um, you know, none of that. And I just feel way more liberated. Um, and I'm able to explore more vocally. Uh, so you're absolutely right. Now, do you feel that your first album is that a more indie feel? Because the, the latest one, I just, those latest singles I was listening to, they were, Dan, you know, you dance to it, you just soul to it. There's, you know, upbeat. But the first songs, I feel like it was more indie. Mm -hmm. Now, was that like the same? Is that the progress that you were going to through at that time with the whole? Um, th these are all great questions. You're really good at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first album I put out, they were all songs that I had written over, you know, like the course of my life, essentially. Um, and I finally had a band to bring them to life and. Um, I had never recorded anything like that before. I mean, I did once for a, a college project, but never in this capacity. And um, all of the, the people that I was working with is very fortunate to be working with some of like the most seasoned musicians in the DC area. Um, but they all came from very specific and different backgrounds. Like my bass player is a neo soul player. My drummer was a gospel drummer. Um, and then my guitarist, you know, um, he had like a rock and like contemporary praise and worship background. So we brought all these things together and everyone influenced the track based on those things. Um, 
which is why, you know, that first album is, it, it feels very schizophrenic. Like there isn't a, a definable genre from it. Um, and I, I think by the time like I that, got though. to, yeah, yeah. But I wish, I wish it was, um, you know, like more I wish it was more laid that, out. Yeah. And so like there was a, a definitive sound like, okay, yeah, that's, that's Lado rather than it sounding like several different genres. It's like, oh, these songs sound a little bit like a different genre, but this is definitely Lado. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I thought it was a stupid thing to say, but this was like, <laughs> I don't know why I have such a 10 year old mind, but I was thinking <laughs> if you, did you ever have a moment with your drummer where uh, you turn to him and you're like, that was fucking good. That was God, that was good. And he's like, hey, watch your mouth. Because he's like, never mind. It's a bad joke. Gospel, drummer. Let's throw that out. There was a joke in there somewhere, but I totally ruined it somehow. It's weird. So musicians, you know, you can be a a church musician and then play, you know, at a nightclub on a Thursday night. And you're the same person, but like you just don't use the curse words on Sunday that you do on Thursday night. Um, Mm. That's funny because my mom always tried to get me to be a... She's like, you know what? You love playing drums. Why don't you play drums at the church? And I'm like, mom, but I, I love rock. You don't, do you know who? Because I, mm-hmm. I don't think she gets me. But anyway, and she's like, well, you can play <laughs> rock at church. There's a rock band, a gospel rock band. She like sends me this link and I listen to it. And I'm just like, yeah, it sounds like death metal, but the lyrics are so nice. I'm just like, no, I, I can't. Yeah. Well, so a lot of contemporary um, Christian music pulls some rock, not, not so much like metal, um, but some rock elements. Um, so I get, I mean, I get where she was coming from, but I hear you. It's a different, it's a different vibe. You know, you're not going to go all scream at church. When I listened to that first album, like we were talking about, um, I got to say guilty is my favorite song there. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, because I love the, the bass line and the rhythm section. It's And it's I think it's the closest thing I think you have to rock. A little edgy. Yeah, yep. you know? that one rocks out for sure. Did you yeah. have a favorite song? Yeah, there? and that one, um, I, it's so difficult to pick. My favorite song lyrically is actually my least favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's better than I will. And it's because that was supposed to be a really tender song. And it ended up being like this pop, almost like reggae feeling thing. Um, and it just didn't make sense to me, but like the one that gets me and makes me feel like, yes, I fucking did it is guilty. Like it's that one. I think the energy is appropriately captured throughout the song. And I love the bridge into the last chorus. Don't get me wrong. Like I do love to dance and all that. So like the song fire is actually, uh, pretty, like I've kind of gotten into like a David Bowie kind of feel lately and, Mm -hmm. and the Foo Fighters just pulled out. Uh, another album and that's more dancing that's like more groove and everything so i started to listen to a lot of grooves and dancing and fire is one of them which i i like that um so fire i actually started when i was with the guy that i started doing music with um and we we had a really great like musical dynamic where he would write these killer hooks and i would write lyrics to the verses um and originally the chorus is supposed to be i want to dance with you all night because it just feels so feels so right but he wrote that um and then he turned out to be a giant piece of shit and (laughs) i had to kick him out of the band but i wanted to keep the lyrics i had um for the verses because i really liked them i thought they were great lyrics and so i just rewrote the hook um to what it is now and recorded it thank you thank you thank you Thank God for that piece of Thank shit. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> brought us down for sure. Um, but yeah, so it turned out, I, I, I'm actually really happy with how, how that one turned out. I always think that when, you know, whenever uh, there's our couples in a band, that's always tough because mm-hmm. there has to be a ticking clock in the back of your head somehow. I don't know. Because I, I, creatively, I wouldn't say they change. I guess, yeah, there's always constant change, right? As an artist. So how did, how, you know, did you ever have that? Mm-hmm. Like there was a ticking bomb in the back of your head? Yeah. So he was somebody I never should have, you know, dated in the first place. But there, there is that attraction as well. And another, you know, female musician friend of mine told me, you know, this was her struggle because she had a similar relationship with somebody she was in a band with. And, and it's like when you're on stage and you're performing and you're getting all of that gratification from the crowd, you're on this high together. And it's an experience that you can share with this other person and only this other person, um, you know, and you kind of cling to that. And then you, you go home and your, your relationship's completely different. Um, so it's absolutely, you know, a ticking, a ticking time bomb of like, when is this not, when is this high not going to be enough to keep the relationship going? So what yeah. are you working on right now in the, when you're back home? Um, so I, I don't post a lot, which is great, but I've actually had like three or four different projects going on at once. And I've been very lucky, um, you know, since I've been back, I'm working on my first completely solo album. Um, and I'm actually really excited for this, like to, to see the progression of my songwriting over the past um, five or six years. It's something I'm really proud of. Um, and I'm working with the, um, the guy who produced run and fire on all of these, um, for that solo album. But I'm also working with another friend of mine who's a super talented producer, um, to do an R and B EP. Um, and then, you know, I'm doing some session musician for, you know, a gospel writer and, um, doing a lot of features on, on people's tracks. So I've, I've been very lucky and I've got a lot of things in the works now that I think will come out probably by the summer or the end of 2021. Um, and I'm really excited to share them with, with everyone. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. Now, uh, let me ask you this. I was listening to fire and there was this one part where your voice pitch went really high. Mm-hmm. And uh, so did you have training or, cause this is always like a, a question for me because I, I have the um, shittiest voice yeah so <laughs> I doubt it I doubt it <laughs> so when I uh was growing up I just put myself in every opportunity to to sing um which was like church choir or school choir but I never did anything solo for as far as training goes and then my first two years of college um I was a music major and um to be a music major you have to have a an instrument uh, focus essentially. And my instrument was my voice. So it's the first time ever that I've had any professional training, but it was a classical school. So, um, it was opera. So uh, <laughs> the, the oh. only vocal training I've ever had was, was for opera. Um, but it was, <laughs> it's huge. And it, I think it comes through now in my vocals and, and the way that I support them and my range, um, and things like that. So, I mean, that's about it. And then, you know, just growing as an artist and, and singing more and trying new styles, um, pushes you to, try new things. And I've, I've never really hit that note sustained like that in, in any of my other tracks. Um, and I really wanted to do it. I've always wanted to have like that one high note that everyone's like, Oh fuck. Like she done did it. Um, <laughs> so, so that's where that one came from. Yeah. Cause uh, I was uh, shocked by it. Cause I don't think I've heard that live uh, version anyway. Mm. Not from what I remember. I mean, I mean, you know this. I mean, you, you, you know, I'm going to probably talk about it again. I'm probably overdoing it. Like, all right, stop it. But your voice is awesome. And 
But to hear that part was like, oh, thank you. You know, that high pitch was like, I mean, I'm not going to put it as a Mariah Carey level, obviously, but it was, it was enough to like get your attention and get you like, oh, she has that. Li- oh, she has that little lift right there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. And then, then that's exactly what I was going for. Um, and the reason I've never performed it, like actually I did perform it like that live once because I, I had a background vocalist who um, knew how to carry out the chorus or he was supposed to, and then he didn't. So I just ended up singing this high note and <laughs> the rest of the chorus disappeared. <laughs> but um, that's the only reason I've never, never really done it live like that. Um, I think when I, when things are normal again and I have a full band I can work with, um, I will absolutely do it with the high note because I love that. I love that part of the song. The a whole opera thing, um, when you were taking uh, lessons as that, when you were going through that, were you trying to capture the opera voice? Because that's a very distinctive and unique sound. It is. It, it absolutely is. Um, and while it wasn't something I was personally trying to pursue, um, I had to. So I did. Uh, and we had to do like performances and stuff. And it was really cool. I mean, it gave me a huge appreciation for opera. You know, I always used to joke around yeah. about it, but... Um, the skill that it takes to sing those songs uh, and those arias and, 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 you know, all those, um, it's like a Broadway musical, but, you know, way more technical, I think. So I'm thinking maybe I should start taking opera lessons. (laughs) Yeah, you should. I mean, if you want to become a better, uh, better singer, I would absolutely recommend opera lessons because it translates to rock or pop or, or what have you. Um, but yeah, so I actually love that scene in Pretty Woman because, you know, he talks about, how you either love it or you hate it and if you love it you like really love it uh and that's exactly what it is when you go to see an opera in person it is overwhelming it just you know hits you in a different way than you would have expected and also for the guys out there listening i mean that is like the perfect date to take someone because (laughs) (laughs) it is like uh an eye-opener for the ladies or you know it'll it'll get you places i I should say (laughs) so so you have some uh some couth and decorum for sure, but it's it's gonna be like three or four hours long. So make sure it's like a fourth or fifth date. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're back in DC. How's it feel? To, well, DC area. How's it feel to be back? Are you excited to be back there? Are you? Uh, do you want to go back to LA? No, I, I couldn't be happier. Um, this was absolutely the right move for me to come back. Um, and uh, it's it's only more and more apparent with the number of opportunities that are lining up for me. It was kind of like when I was in L.A., um, I feel like I definitely developed a lot as an artist, but the there was an opportunity there for me anyway. There, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity, but um, I think it's more for, you know, the songwriters or the producers or the instrumentalists. You know, singers are a dime a dozen and there's a bunch of um, original artists that are trying to make waves out there. And the way that venues and promoters um, really take advantage of the artists, it was just, to me, it wasn't worth it. You know, I can be more successful out here and make a living off of it. Why, why would I, you know, trade it for the name of a bigger city? Yeah. And, um, and you know what? And Los Angeles, too. I mean, it can be very brutal because I, I always describe it as it looks beautiful on the outside with all the palm trees and the weather and the beaches and all that and the lifestyle. But... I mean, if you get inside of it and you're like inside Hollywood Boulevard, you see all these like, it's, it's, you know, it's rugged. It's a, there's a lot of homeless. There's a, it's tough. There's a lot of starving artists. It's like, it's brutal. 
Yep, I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, we we spend so much time glorifying the starving artists. Like how many celebrities have you heard give the story of I lived in my car and I was homeless and I struggled and blah, 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 but I made it here. And, you know, everyone then tells themselves, well, if this one person who did it that way, you know, is going to get it there, I'm going to continue to starve and be homeless and be, you know, like struggling with money because I'm going to be that person too. But nobody, like all the people that were born into Hollywood families, they don't tell you about how they got their connections, you know, or, or why their career is what it is. And it's because they have all of these connections. You just think these people are overnight successes. Um, but then there's the third side of it where there is a musical arena where you don't have to be a starving artist. You can get paid for your craft and live on your crafts while also making your own original art. Um, and that's the one that I opted for. So, yeah, it's not easy in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, but I, I think when you're young and you have this passion for it, do it, you know, go out there, you know, do the romanticism of moving to Los Angeles and trying to become someone, something big, do it. You're back exactly. home yep, and you're exactly. happy. You're happy where you're at. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, you know, when I, when I check in your stuff out, I was thinking, I don't know why, but I had a feeling that you really wanted to live in Los Angeles for a while, but I never really got the concept that you were an East Coaster, but now I'm starting to see that you are such a huge East Coaster. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually wanted to move to New York City um, mm. instead of LA, which probably would have been the smarter choice, but I, I mean, I don't regret the decision I made, but um, I thought I would be challenged more in LA and I certainly was or challenged it. I was definitely challenged in a different way than I was anticipating. But yeah, I'm, I am an East Coaster through and through. California has never been my vibe. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know. For me, it's weird. I wish I could yeah. have a career where I would do six months in LA, six months in New York. I don't know why. I just love both. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. I'm more of a New Yorker in a sense yeah. because that's my personality But and Boston. But uh, Los Angeles, I think um, I just like it for its people can leave you alone kind of thing, you know, like mm -hmm. you can, you could be surrounded by all these artists and no one gives a crap or who you are, you know? So it's like that perfect, like, yeah, just another person or whatever. I don't know. I enjoy that too. Interesting. That is very interesting because, because I, I hated that. I hated that. I hated, you know, having this whole, um, resume, like a really impressive musical resume for only having been doing music for two years. Um, and taking that resume to LA and having it mean jack shit, like nobody knew who I was, nobody cared who I was. And I was like, well, fuck, like I'm used to being, you know, a bit of a local celebrity. Um, and now I'm a nobody who sings at open mics and people tell me to keep at it. Cause I'm going to go places one day. <laughs> That is interesting about, yeah, we're definitely both uh, polar opposites in that sense. Yes. Um, and not just height, too. I guess height as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then as I'm moving to the East Coast, you're in, you're in Los Angeles. And then as I'm trying to leave the East Coast, you're moving back to the East I Coast. I know. I'm <laughs> so bummed. Yeah. So what, are, what are you hopping around? Like, is this part of your job? That no, I just... Um, yeah, I just came down just to help out with my mom's house and COVID happened and I'm just, well, let me stay here. There's, I guess I still have the beach, you know, even though I can't at that time anyway, I can't be surrounded by so many people. You can still go out, go to the beach. You mm -hmm. still have, you don't have, you don't have to be locked down in your house like everyone in the States at that time. Right. So I was pretty fortunate. 
That's awesome. Yeah, but now I'm ready to go back up north, and I'm thinking New York or Boston, to be honest. So we'll see. But well, let me for, know when you make it back there. I'll come visit for sure. For sure. Like I'm planning to do sometime in September, uh, hopefully Europe for like a month, and then um, then travel around America for like another month, and then uh, and then finally move either New York or Boston. So we'll see. That's the plan. And yeah, I'll hit everybody up and uh, shoot the shit and hang out and you Very know. Cool. Listen to music, play music, do all that yeah. fun stuff. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, when I do head That'll out there, awesome. I'll definitely give you a buzz. Because um, you're such an awesome person, Justina. And uh, uh, it's always fun chatting with you. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. So thank you so much for uh, being a part. I don't want to keep you any longer because I know we, you have so much to do today. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad that we got to catch up. Um, and I really, really hope you do hit me up when you're back on the, on the East coast in September. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. All right, Justina, have a great day, dear. You Bye-bye. too. Bye. Well, folks, that was Justina Betho. I got to thank her so much for being on the show. Um, check out her music. It's on Spotify, Apple music, or wherever you get your music. Um, except for Boombox, you will not find it there. But I'm definitely looking forward to checking out her new music coming out sometime in the fall or later this year. Follow her on Instagram at JustinaBeth underscore L and you will get all the latest information on her music. Until next time, we'll see you guys. This has been a Street Urine production uh, produced by me, uh, edited by me. Um, ideas by me, words by me. Uh, yeah, just everything is me, pretty much. This is a solo one man band. This is a one man band. And uh, if this was Led Zeppelin with just John Bonham, that's that's this podcast. Oh, except for the music theme, that is by Complicated Animals. I guess I don't do everything until next time, guys. Mm-hmm.